watching, watching, hearing, hearing, feeling, feeling, being, being, loving, loving, live laughing, live laughing, and and loving. What is up, my fellow Nato stands, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Podcast. This is literally like the 16th time I've recorded this, so I'm going to keep it really simple. We have tech news. We have soundtracks. We have a revisit of the greatest game of all time, since it has been a little bit since we finished our top 50 bracket. Have we changed our opinions? I still don't know the answer to that, and I say words later in this podcast that imply the same thing. Yeah, so please enjoy. I don't know. Do you? Thanks. Nintendo 64. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. I didn't know where to go, and I had Nintendo on the mind for undisclosed reasons. Speaking and, uh, of Nintendo. Let's <laughs> go right in. There's no, no easing into the podcast this time. We're no, just. We we're don't starting. do that. Well, you reminded me of this article I saw this week about this guy played GTA 5 on his Nintendo, uh, like a, it was a Game Boy Color SP, I think. It might not have been a Game Boy Color SP, but it was, well, There's the no problem such is, thing. is... It'd be a Game Boy Advance SP. Okay, whatever. Well, the, here's the thing, because they kept calling it something, they were like, they got it working on his Game Boy, and then they showed the device, and the chassis was not Game Boy, which is... I don't fucking get it. But it looked a lot like the form factor of the SP. But either way, they have this like cartridge that can do wireless. And so he, you know, has some other piece of hardware that's running GTA 5 and then transmitting it over the wireless to the Game Boy Color SP. I'm going to stick with it Uh, because I don't remember the fucking name of whatever it was called. And yeah, it looked like, I mean, it looked like shit. It was really bad wireless transmission of video to a Game Boy Color cartridge is naturally going to be really bad, but it did work. And that's what's important at the end of the the day. That's the key. It's like playing Doom on a pregnancy test. Yep, exactly. You you just just do it. a normal pregnancy test. (laughs) Doom. Oh, sick burn. Sick burn, brother. How's it going? That's it. Well, now I'm thinking about GTA 5 and my Game Boy Color SP. Um, it's going great. How's it going for you, bro? It's another late night edition of the Mo Video Games podcast. So you, you know, know the quality means. is up double. Some may say triple. But and not they'd us. be wrong. But they might say it. And they we appreciate those people because if they think the quality is higher than it is, that's the kind They're of people wrong. we want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of our, our Canadian listeners are incorrect um, because right. everything we say is correct. And so anytime someone disagrees with us, they're wrong. But we love our Canadians. Well, we still love them. That doesn't mean they're not wrong. Sure, but I don't get why that means that they're wrong either. <laughs> because they disagree. <laughs> what Canadian has disagreed with us? What Canadian? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds called oh. me and said, Fuck "I own Mo video mobile games. <laughs> an aviation gin, <laughs> and I am charming." But that is the right guy, right? That is yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised that that is how you like think of Ryan Reynolds. That's one of the first things. That Mint Mobile is the first thing every time. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't good even, marketing. I couldn't, I couldn't think of a movie. 
I don't even know. He does movies, right? He do. Is he alive? He he, he is. All right, give me a movie. Uh, uh, Red Notice was a recent Netflix movie he was in. Uh, he plays Deadpool. Uh, uh, he's he a Deadpool guy. Played Deadpool in previous uh, movies, and he has played the Green Lantern. And the Proposal. He was in Six Underground. <laughs> the Proposal, a great rom com. He did a lot of rom com stuff. He was in Waiting. A good comedy about wait staff. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Classic. Oh yeah, That's also a great one. He plays uh, uh, Detective Pikachu. Barry looks familiar. I don't know why, but I is Barry. I Definitely lots of rom coms. Thanks for and, tuning uh, into the Mobile Video Games podcast for this great video game content. Blade Trinity. I'm assuming that's what, like the third in the Blade series or something like that. Why is oh. Blade Trinity so bad? <laughs> Did you say buried? Yeah. Uh, I thought you said Barry, like a dude's name, B-A-R-R-Y. Oh. I was like, I, I've never heard of Barry. but I don't know, Barry. Ah, but yes, that's Ryan Reynolds. Um, anyway, Canadians, we love you. We love all of our listeners. M- Matt Mobile, viewers. we love you. <laughs> Oliver might switch to Mint Mobile after his experience with Google Fi. Stop, please. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna get my phone. I'm gonna get my phone. It's gonna happen. It's just I'm I'm putting it at. If I'm being really realistic, I'm putting it two and a half weeks before I get my phone. That's 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 fair. So uh, so here here's a quick roadmap. So it's another. Late night special, so you know everything's organized. Um, and we're doing a top 16 video game bracket showdown tonight. And we'll start it with some some video games we've been playing and some tech news. Not particularly in that order. Probably be tech news because I'm just going to throw it back to Oliver to tell us a little bit about his experience with Google Fi. Well, Maxwell, since you haven't heard any of this, I'm going to draw it out as long as humanly possible. I mean, we do speak for the listeners, not for each other. I disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're the only listeners. I never so really know. They're both yeah, true. I was gonna say. <laughs> um, okay, once upon a blue moon, I'm given a little bit of out of out of context information initially, but you'll see what's what's happening. You know, I'm setting mm. up setting up my Google Play account or something like that. I forgot even exactly what it was, but. Google wants my address. This is like two years ago. And I'm like, uh, living in Virginia at the time, right? Where, which notably I'm not currently living right now. A little foreshadowing is what we call this. Uh, <laughs> Setting the stage. And, and so they are like, they want my apartment number, right? And I live at uh, 3001 XYZ Ave, right? And I'm like, well, I don't see why my apartment number matters at all. So I'm going to say I live in apartment 3001, which do not exist. Just just so you know, a little more foreshadowing of what might happen in the future here. Um, and so put in my order and enter my billing address, which is in Iowa. I'm on the east side of Iowa. So then they're like, oh, you want a 319 number, right? Because you're in the east side of Iowa. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. Because... I don't want my old area code because it's stupid. Sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so either way. So, okay, when I get that, I'm like assuming it's going to ship to the right fucking place, right? Because it's not the billing address should not determine where your zip code is, right? Like the point is, is that you're where you live, right? I think that this is a reasonable assumption. So 
order goes through and then they're like oh hey we're gonna go to virginia by the way with the phone and i'm like "Uh oh that's not where i live and i <laughs> want my phone um, so then i check check the address and it's shipping it to again the apartment that does not exist at the place that i no longer live and this is like old this isn't even like the last place in virginia i lived this is like steps back from there um <laughs> Which is, it's whatever. At the end of the day, it's whatever. So I contact UPS and they're like, oh, uh, shipper put restriction on it. Or, you know, order placer. I don't even know what to call. <laughs> Google put a restriction on it, right? Yeah. We can't change it. You're going to have to contact Google. Contact Google. They're like, oh, no, uh, we can't change it with it after an hour of your purchase. And so then they're like, okay, wait until it ships. Get a claim ID for from it from UPS who's shipping it. Uh, and then come back to us, give us the claim ID, and then we will send you a new one. And, you know, it tries to deliver to the apartment that doesn't exist. Obviously, it never makes it to the apartment that doesn't exist. I'm not mad about that part. I want to be clear. You know, they tried their best. Uh, <laughs> but then I contact Google, and I'm like, okay, well, it didn't get there. What should I do? I guess I should have just gotten the claim ID. Maybe this is where I fucked up. Maybe my introspection is helping me here. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, they're like, okay, we'll try changing the address. So they contact UPS. This was a week and a half ago. And, well, yeah, I'm telling the story now and nothing's changed. So, yeah, two and a half weeks from now, hopefully UPS will have responded by then. should only take, like, two or three days to ship it. I mean, it's already in UPS's system. So it's, it's going to get here pretty quick once the address <laughs> actually does change. Just a matter of how long the process flow takes. So... Yeah, I mean, my bad definitely for fucking up, but I just I just don't understand like from a less sarcastic point of view. Why can't I just cancel it? It's in UPS. They work with UPS all the fucking time, right? Like this is not like a foreign relationship that they've never interacted with before, and I cannot be the first person who has fucked up a shipping address before. I mean, maybe maybe this is this is unseen territory for the entire world. No one's ever typed the wrong address in shipping. But like the fact that I mean, I put in this order, I think it was two weeks ago, and, like, I still am expecting twice as long to get my phone back. It does seem fucking ridiculous to me. Which it, it seems like you don't disagree with, right? Like, this does seem fucking dumb. Yeah, it, it, the, the address thing, yeah, may, maybe you made a mistake, whatever, but the, the fact that it can't be corrected, or it can't be corrected easily, is the ridiculous part. Because when I was, when we were moving into our current place now... I had a few items that I had bought with long lead times that ended up not getting here until we had moved into the new place. And working with the places that I purchased the items from to update the shipping address was easy. Now, it's a little different because the items hadn't shipped yet, but I work in supply chain and I know that like the earlier you know about a change, the better. And so what what you haven't mentioned yet is the fact that Google said, once you actually get the phone years from now, you can return it to Google and they, they will refund you, which means that oh, they yeah. are willing to rectify this, which from Google's standpoint, the earlier in the process that you can let them know that either you don't want it or that you're shipping to the wrong place would save them money. So the fact that they prevent you from making any changes to the order after just an hour is ridiculous yeah they told me to re-put put in another order wait until i get this order and then return this order right so essentially order a new phone pay that additional you know it's a little less than 500 bucks um for my new 
Google Pixel 5a, mm. <laughs> 128 gigabyte. Uh, black, since they didn't offer me colors, even though I thought they had colors. But Black is a color, bro. Come on. Well, I know that, but... I had Galaxy Purple on my S9, and I, I, I really liked the purple. It was just a nice touch. I don't know. I, was, I enjoyed the purple. Do um, you have purple on it now? Uh, well, you see, the thing about that is... <laughs> uh, inside jokes are fun. Okay, continue. It's not an inside... Everyone knows I break everything I own. This is why I don't have friends, because I break everything I interact with. Oh, God. Um, no. uh, For those of you listening... Oliver has broken the the back glass to his phone multiple times, which means that it is no longer purple because he's replaced it with black replacements. Well, yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure the side is still like the purple coloring, or at least was for a while. I don't think I had to replace the side. Either way, you know, I prefer not to say that I break my stuff a lot. I prefer to say that I'm skilled in re- replacing and repairing my equipment. You're just like, giving yourself practice. It's, yeah, uh, it's true. I am training. probably one of the best phone repair people out of my friend group. Like, I definitely, I am the person I go to, and I'm good at it, you know? Like, I've really, I've done it so many times. Yeah, I can say I've personally <laughs> broken a phone attempting to repair it. So, you have, yeah. you have me beat. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You still got to send me your broken phone, by the way. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so either way, the whole thing is just fucking ridiculous. I do not... I am in a place where I could literally order another phone, but mostly as a matter of principle, and also I really don't want to just fork over another 500 bucks to the wayside, just like chill, not in my bank account for a while. Um, It's just like, that's just so fucking ridiculous. And it's like, like you said, like Google, if anything, would want to know earlier. And then it's like, they're already expecting the phone to get back. So why contact them to tell them, ship it to my place, contact to tell them to ship it back to Google, And then send me a new fucking phone (laughs) so I can have a new phone about to get my next month charge for my phone bill. I don't want to get charged again. I'm switching because it's cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) And and to your point, actually, I don't remember. It's late night. I I had a point. It left my brain. It literally was there. And as I started talking, brain went blank. It's like an etch-a-sketch. They just... Shook it. Shook it immediately. Yeah. But yeah, so either way, I mean, I'm excited to be, I want, I wanted to try Google Fi. I'm on Verizon right now. Service is pretty good. Uh, I used to be on US Cellular and the service on that was all bad. Uh, <laughs> um, so definitely excited to try out Google Fi and they're international. They handle international way fucking better than Verizon does. I know that for a fact. So um, you think not that I am. Because Verizon Do handles I- it very well, in my opinion. Oh, well, I got Wazoo charged, I'm pretty sure, or threatened to get Wazoo charged, so I had to keep it on roaming. They Google made it sound like their rates are literally the same no matter what. When did you go international? Uh, two weeks for work, for a restricted trip I can't oh, talk about. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I mean, I can't talk about it. I went there for two weeks. I went to Deutschland for two weeks for work. And yeah, I got lots of lots of texts being like, if you fucking turn off roaming or whatever, or turn off your airplane mode, you will die. We will shoot you on the, site. To, to be fair, Not there is bad. there's a Verizon setting that you have to like set before you leave. And if you don't set that, it might kind of screw you in the pooch with the the roaming charges, which they if if they allow that setting to be changed before, they should just automatically do that for you. So I'm with you that it regardless of if you were able to make it nicer, the fact that it doesn't default to that is worse for sure. It was, I, I, I didn't look up the rates for call and text 
And they, I mean, they weren't like literally atrocious. They were bad, but they weren't like $100 for a minute of calling, right? But I could pay, I think it was like 80 bucks or something for the two weeks and then get unlimited. And essentially I would just have the same service there as I do in the States. Um, But I definitely remember having to pay a flat fee in order to get that from them and ended up just not doing it because I was on, I mean, that Wi-Fi exists everywhere right so i'll just i'll just use wi-fi as my communication medium um yeah but yeah and that was an extended stay too which is not any use case i've had to encounter so yeah i feel you not that it wasn't it wasn't terrible but but I google is better that's what counts i was happy to read that they they handle yeah they handle they made it sound like they handle pretty much everything the same so like if i am out of the country then i don't have to sweat about it I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure I read it wrong. I'm sure next time I'm out of the States, I'm going to be fucked again. But like, whatever. It's Oliver. How quick, How far ahead do I really think? The good news, they're sending the bills to Virginia, so you won't have to pay a dime. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been charged yet for the phone. It's not like I'm just sitting 500 bucks out and without a new phone. So, But I am excited for my 5G-capable phone. Amen. The, the 5G that's going to ground planes worldwide and give uh people cancer right uh and And coronavirus yeah and inject more microchips into us i don't know how it's going to do it but wirelessly we're just going to get more microchips inside of us yeah osmosis baby yeah baby so still excited even with all the pain and suffering i am still excited which is only a testament to how much google sucks (laughs) well on that note, do you have any other tech news? League of Legends is still happening. Pro play is still happening. Um, it will never stop. Games done quick is <laughs> still happening. I don't know why I thought it was ending so close to the last time that we met, but every time I get on Twitch, GDQ is still occurring, so if you want to watch speedruns, go there. Um Fnatic is still undefeated in the LEC. That's about the only team in the LEC I actually really care about right now. Vitality of the super team looks like doo-doo-da-da, which I'll always take. And LCS, I'm pretty sure they're finishing up their, like, spring tournament, right? Or their opening tournament before their spring season. And I either this weekend is the last or next weekend is the last, but they're at quarters of semis right now. I haven't been paying too much attention because the games have been bad up until this point and would not recommend watching them. <laughs> um, I literally fell asleep in the middle of a couple of them. But the next two weeks should be good. So there was there was some big upsets, but like the games weren't fun to watch, even though an upset occurred. Like 100 Thieves last year's uh, LCS champions, right? Roster doesn't change. Everyone thinks that they're going to be doing great. Comes in, they're 3-1. Go against Dignitas, 1-3, right? Should be an easy stomp. Got some of the best talent, NNA. They get fucking decimated. Like, not even close. Like, it was ba- It was a steamroll how bad it was. Um, wow. Draft Draft Kingdom felt like 100 Thieves just never cared the whole time. Like, it, was, it, it wasn't just, like, one avenue of failure. I think that 100 Thieves just... It seemed like they felt like they didn't need to do any homework because the class was so easy... And then they walked in and realized that the test was written in a different language. They've been studying the wrong subject the whole time. So I've never been there before. You've never drawn a monkey as an answer on your test. So I wish that were true. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got. So this weekend should be much better in terms of uh, 
yeah, watching at least LCS. LEC is on regular schedule right now, so. Boom. Boom. Have you been playing any games other than League of Legends? Uh, how do you say no in Spanish? Nine. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have not I have not played anything other than League. Actually I've played nothing other than I haven't even played Rocket League. I've barely been gaming lately, so same here. We need to disband the podcast. I'm selling my switch. We've lost our credibility. Yeah, your switch. I know. Vamanos. Speaking of Spanish. <laughs> Hasta luego. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, I, I've been I've been watching people play games on Twitch, but I have not been playing. I can tell you that much. I have been playing at least one mobile game. Okay, what so have you been we, playing? We 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 shit on mobile gaming a lot, but the reality is that is like orders of magnitude more gamers mobile game than any other media. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, also, in part because of how excited, like I think that like when people say that, it's a little disingenuous to like. It's a little bit more effort to like set up whole console, right? And then you sit down on the couch, sure, boot sure, it up, sure. and then you're booting up a title that is not designed to play for five minutes. But Candy Crush literally, my brain's already rotted in five minutes. There's something to be said about accessibility and the fact that mobile gaming is that accessible does not instantly make it a not reasonable form of gaming, especially with how oh. powerful fucking smartphones have gotten lately. It's like, this is like more powerful than a fucking PS3. If I am bored on my phone, especially if I'm traveling, I am playing Sudoku nonstop on my phone. I can tell you that much. It's I, not like I don't have my vices. I mean, I don't I, you probably that. wouldn't call that. Yeah, you. It's not. It's not. It's not a good enough game. You know. Well, it's not a mobile it's game. Like, it's just it's it, like you're you play, playing you know, it on like, the mobile medium. But like, it's it's like saying, and it's a game. Get fucked, Maxwell. I don't buy it. Let us know I in the actually, comments if you think Sudoku is a mobile game. I think I'd give it it. I would give it in that context a mobile game. I think like in a, a pure semantics, right? I, if you're saying I what does the heart say, then I'm, I agree with you. Reject the argument. <laughs> so like a crossword puzzle on mobile. That's not a mobile game. That's not a mobile game because it's it's a game that you can play not on mobile. It just happens. It's like having a Kindle. I just feel like this is a gen thing. You know, this is like uh like let's say that like paper like uh, what do you call them? newspapers, right? That's the Xbox, right? And and then they made the Xbox 360 backwards compatible, right? So now it's backwards compatible with Sudoku and crossword puzzles, and you're like, it's no. too old of a console. It yes. is a by by that by the literal mobile game, right? You can carry it around with you, and it is a game. I mean, an argument could be <laughs> made. I am just saying that, like the newspaper, the original medium. You know that when we say mobile game, we mean mobile video game. <laughs> Well, that's and why I said the like the semantics. If you're really breaking down the brass tacks, I think I'd call it a mobile game. But if you're just saying like in terms of how we use like the English language and and any real conversation you have with anyone, I agree with you. So you know what my least game. favorite kind of tack is? <laughs> brass. <Some big> tacks. <laughs> um, brass been, is beautiful. I've been playing. <laughs> I've been playing Temple Run. Oh, okay. Okay, why? The OG Temple Run. Um, <laughs> existential crises and all those kind of things, you know, going on in life, as they do in January, seasonal affective disorder. And I was like, you know what? 
I need something to occupy me that I don't have to invest brain thought into. Temple run, baby. And so I, I, I played it. I like, I cleared everything. So you, you earn coins and like collect coins when you're playing Temple Run and you use that to buy different power ups and skips and characters and stuff like that. And having played it previously, I had cleared everything out of that. But that was way in the past. Apple doesn't remember any of my progress. So I'm starting from scratch again and just going through. So love and Temple Run. It's a nice, it's a very well designed game in its simplicity, but like, it's interesting and the challenge is is there it amps up there's like infinite progression because it just keeps getting faster and more obstacles in your way um yeah so i've been playing temple i enjoyed it i enjoyed temple run yeah i enjoyed candy crush too it just i get like i get more stressed out with candy crush than temple run because temple run for some reason the fact that you're like it's you're playing the same game all the time right it's just a skill check it's not like uh I'm going to infinitely progress through these like procedurally generated level. I don't know how they're actually making them right, but for some reason the stages make it more stressful. Like Temple Run's like yeah, yeah. Less stressful. T- it makes it feel like you can stop whenever. Cuz you're like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. I got this far. All right, I'm done." It's not like, "Oh, there's another a new one, a new challenge to conquer." It's like, "No, it's the same challenge always." Yeah. But different. You're just investing in yourself and your ability to run temples quickly. Yeah. Hand-eye coordination, <laughs> reaction time, training. For the things i use on a day-to-day basis in my job and for survival too i want to be clear like these are very important skills exactly how else would i be able to pick up this glass of scotch impossible without temple run you would have dropped that 17 times already all right so my tech news <laughs> don't play dark souls 3 online right now don't do it there is a software bug that allows invading players to remotely execute code on your computer oh that's Uh, bad it's bad and it will also affect elden ring until it is patched so i'm hoping uh, supposedly from what i read i didn't find the the whatever it is the the so thing good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and i think it was some security researcher that found it i don't think like actual bad hackers know it know how to use it or have the code to do it but everyone knows it exists now matter of time hopefully it gets patched if it's not patched already by the time i'm either saying this or you're listening to this but if you're going to play dark souls 3 or elden ring like just do some quick research and make sure you're good to go like look up remote code execution and either elden ring or dark souls 3 before you play to get the news on it um just a psa cool like it's cool from a tech perspective to think about how that's possible and that someone figured that out but it's bad from like a existing standpoint (laughs) so well i'm the only person associated with this podcast that plays the souls game so thank you max (laughs) you're welcome although uh, elden ring now that it's going to be like totally not souls born like everyone's saying you know i'm still yeah i'm I'm just waiting. I'm so excited for people to be so upset at Elden Ring. They're going to be like, I thought this wasn't Souls. It's like from software. Yeah, but it doesn't say Souls in the name. It's like Bloodborne. It's not a Souls game. Yeah, it wasn't a Souls game. If anything, it was probably more aggravating than a Souls game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Horizon, we, we talked about this last week. Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, and Dying Light 2 are all coming out in February. 
which if you didn't know is soon and uh, I, so it got me so horizon and playstation or like really games have been releasing a lot of videos to promote Horizon Forbidden West. And one of them that recently came out was kind of a behind the scenes introduction of the actors in it and them talking about it, which I found out there is a an actress that I like that is in it. I won't say who it is. It should not spoil anything, but just in case someone is listening and wants to like not think about the actual people in it and just get lost in the world, I don't I won't say who it is. You can look it up on your own if you want to look up who it is. Um but the 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 voice actress who plays Aloy, um, her name is Ashley Birch, and so she she was in the and she looked familiar in the video. And I was like, why does she look familiar? And it's because there's this Apple TV show called Mythic Quest that's all about like game development and stuff. And she's actually in it. Is why I recognize her visually. And then I started looking at other things she's in, and didn't realize that in The Last of Us Part Two, she plays Mel, which is a she, she's a, a pregnant person in the last of us part two is all i'll say so if you've played the game you'll know who that is but it doesn't spoil anything um which i was like oh damn i didn't know she was that person and then she's also tiny tina from uh like i think the borderlands universe is that what that is um i think so but there's like a new tiny tina's wonderland playground thing game coming out and there's been a couple but she plays tiny tina i was like oh damn ashley birch go get him and she does an amazing job as aloy i'm excited to see what she does in horizon forbidden west but just thought that was fun another voice actor actress to add to the repertoire of people i enjoy talking about and enjoy seeing in games which would include troy baker and nolan north and laura bailey and Christopher Judge, who plays Kratos. He's not even like a, a voice actor by trade. He's a normal actor, but man, when he does God of War. Oh, shit. That's lit. As the kids would say. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you throw that so casually before. Thank you. It's pretty lit. <laughs> I'm pretty hip, bro. Yeah, you're making me feel old. Same. Uh, and then, uh, so 65 AMD's Radeon RX 6500 XT. I think I got all those acronyms and synonyms and shit in there. Um, sucks, apparently. So, hell yeah. Yay. More bad GPU news. Um, apparently, the, the performance is similar to a GTX 1060 or five, RX 580, which doesn't mean that those graphics cards suck, but it does mean that paying $200, if you can even get it for that, for a brand new graphics card that has similar performance to a GTX 1060 or 580 is bad. not not good. And it, it only uses, so the PCIe interface can have a, you can use one pin or two or four or eight or 16. It's usually most, the, the full, using the full bandwidth would use all 16 lanes of PCIe when you're like plugging in a graphics card. But typically, it, it it can come in different factors. So, like my uh, capture card, I think might it either uses a by four or a by one interface, but it plugs into the same PCIe slot. Um, this new AMD sixty five hundred XT only uses a by four, so twenty five percent of the full sixteen lane. Um, and on PCIe Gen four, 
that's not really an issue. But on PCI Gen 3, the bandwidth per lane is significantly less. And so you actually lose a substantial amount of performance if you don't have a Gen 4 PCIe capable system. So keep that in mind. If you're if you just need a graphics card and you can get it for $200, it's not a bad purchase if you don't already have a graphics card and you have a Gen 4 system. But if you don't meet those two criteria, probably steer clear of the 6500 XT. So there you go. Have you ever heard of an adapter for an M.2 slot to a graphics card? Like PCIe? <laughs> I, I watched, believe it. Yeah, I watched a video of someone outfitting a, a Nook and they took one of the... It was it was something like a nook, right? Similar form factor. So they took the M.2 slot um, from one of the storage and had an adapter to, I'm assuming PCIe on whatever graphics card they were using. I think they hooked up a 3080 to it and was able to run a, like GTA 5 1080p like high specs smoothly, you know, like at least 60 FPS. So, uh, I mean, to be fair, you got to have a 3080, but buying a nook and then a 3080, you can run better games than what my computer can run through the m.2 so <laughs> yeah it's dumb but you could you could you, you could you, you could which is cool yeah. uh but it's dumb which is also kind of cool yeah you're buying a graphics card and only using 25 percent of it in this case yeah. you should buy the 6500 xt for the nook because then exactly. you'll probably be saturating the lanes be great <laughs> but yeah made me think of that that's my that's all my tech news, though. I'm done. That's ridiculous. That is funny, though. <laughs> and my final thing is one that we can sit on for maybe a little bit. Maybe we'll talk Blaze here real quick. But if you haven't heard, Microsoft made another acquisition. Are you aware of this, I, Oliver? Let me put it this way. I heard and, like, didn't care. So then I... I like didn't even finish reading. I like I heard it and then like didn't even put it in. You know, it it hit it hit memory. It did not hit storage. That's a good way to say it. There you go. Yeah. You know, made it made it in made it into the Oliver. <laughs> did not stay in the Oliver. I was just like I don't fu- I'm so fucking I don't it, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter. So Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard. Right. Yep. And that perfect makes total sense for almost seventy billion dollars. Ten times the cost of the acquisition of Bethesda. Yeah, which is ridiculous because Bethesda's actually good and Blizzard sucks. Got him. Yeah, and so does Activision mostly, kind of, especially recently. Call of Duty is like the most common Activision franchise you can think of. But interestingly, by the acquisition of Activision, Microsoft now owns the rights. Supposedly, I don't know how the actual legalese works and who owns what, but Activision publishes spyro and crash bandicoot um to playstation franchises so that is very interesting so supposedly they own that i don't know if that will actually be a thing um but that's kind of a funny little anecdote there so both phil spencer of xbox and someone at sony i don't know who it was they both kind of spoken about this and they've spoken to each other and phil spencer has at least said that they intend to honor all current existing agreements for publishing and stuff on playstation and they have no intention of taking the call of duty franchise away from playstation but that is all i've heard 
uh, nothing else beyond that. Um, that concerns me a little bit, but it, it's weird because Xbox just hasn't been in this position before. Like they, they haven't been in a position of owning like huge franchises that people care about before outside of like Halo, Forza, Gears of War. There's not a lot of other like notable franchises, maybe Fable back in the day, a couple other things like there's not they've it's not that they've never produced a good game or or any big titles, but PlayStation and has obviously been knocking it out of the park lately. So Microsoft acquiring what is effectively a third party publisher developer for themselves, and, you know, a good chunk of those are going to be at least timed exclusives, if not full exclusives on the Xbox Microsoft thing is interesting speculation. Time will tell. But I get the feeling that Microsoft is touting this message of you should be able to play things anywhere. We want to make games more accessible to more people as long as it's on a Microsoft platform seems to be the caveat of what's going on this generation. And now they are a business. They are supposed to make money from a money-making perspective. That makes perfect fucking sense for Microsoft to do. And I'm not like salty from a PlayStation gamers perspective, but it is slightly monopolistically concerning because they are now the, the third largest video game company behind Tencent and I forget what the other big like conglomeration is. Um, and so it's not, it's, it's more like an oligopoly where there's like a, a, a few large companies that, that control everything. And that's kind of how the video game industry has always been. So it doesn't really change things that much, but it is something to note because a Sony or a Nintendo likely doesn't have the capital to, make an acquisition or purchase like that um so it does kind of seem like a goliath bullying a david a little bit but uh i don't know it's what it is great news for is fucking game pass game pass just became a fucking no goddamn brainer like if you play video games unless you are into like only playing one or two video games that are like or like super niche video games which which people do but like if you if you want to play like five to six games a year that are new game pass is a fucking no-brainer like everything is going to be on game pass at this point it's it's so many good games are going to be on game pass like you're never going to be at a dearth for games to play but that that's kind of my like initial gut reaction i'm kind of with you and kind of like a it's too early to tell it seems fishy but at the same time like a lot of there's a lot of acquisitions happening and it is kind of turning into this and like sony has certainly acquired a lot of developers but microsoft is going out and purchasing entire like publishers that have like 10 to 20 developers underneath them and big names and big huge money-making franchises so i don't know they could fuck up i just i i think it's way too early to have not like the fear is valid and it's not like i didn't I haven't like had a similar thought as you're going through it right like that could be really bad i just don't i don't see that being the move for them i, I don't see that <laughs> seems like a lot of angry people would come at them for not a large enough revenue stream in my eyes like i don't think that 
I don't think that they're just going to be able to like buy their way into competition with Sony. And they're still in competition with Sony is the big thing. And it's like, if anything, I mean, they're still getting a lot of money from selling it on multiple platforms. Like, sure, it benefits them to have it be on their platform but at the same time it's like their their whole idea is you can play it fucking anywhere right like <laughs> but that that's that's my point is they they acquired bethesda and have confirmed a lot of those franchises will be xbox exclusive at a minimum timed exclusive if not fully xbox exclusive which is why history leads me to believe it might go that direction and i'm not saying that's an inherently bad thing i still i don't know enough about the financials of all these companies and how that works and i'm with you to back up microsoft's brand image of wanting to make games accessible for everyone it would make sense to publish it on additional platforms not to mention the fact that software sales are like 95 percent of the revenue or the profit i should say for video game companies so yeah, whatever just, development more... cost it is, it would make sense to put it on other platforms. I think if, if Microsoft wanted to maximize their money, they would say it's coming out day one on Game Pass, and in three months, it'll be available on all platforms. That seems well, like... I think that that's where things are going, too, right? Like, not... Right now, the time frame is obviously a lot longer than that, but even, like, Sony is doing that with their exclusives. I mean, it just feels like with how... Years. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it feels like with how they're talking about it, it's almost like it. it's almost felt like from you when you I mean, I get all my information from you in terms of the Sony exclusive thing. But the jargon that they're using it is almost making it sound like they're catching up with old major titles before they had made this decision to start having things be timed exclusives. Right. And now that they're planning on it, now it seems like the frequency is going to be a lot more. I'm not that they've said it for all of them, right? But I thought some of them that that are coming out, like the fact that they're bringing it up now, you know, it seems like God of War was more just like, a, oh, well, if we're going to start doing this, then like God of War would be a great title to have be, you know, timed exclusive and then release it later, right? If they're going to do it for God of War, they're going to do it for every single major fucking game. Like clearly that, that to me is just like a no brainer. If they think it's worth it for God of War, then every single major Sony title will be a timed exclusive whether or not they want to say it right because i don't see why they would admit it because it's just like buy our console baby <laughs> yeah but again console sales are not a huge chunk of profit for any company they make very small margins on that if any and sure, oftentimes what, what, at the beginning of the they, they actually lose money when they sell hardware well yeah but what do they i like once they've already designed it right already gone through all of it what is the loss of them not saying what do they gain from saying it's a times exclusive versus what do they lose? If you if you made it instantly available on all platforms, you would make much more software revenue immediately because th- there might be some people that would end up not playing a game. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's an interesting point because anyone who would want to play the game, if they don't own a PlayStation console, but it eventually comes out later, they would probably play that game. Like, I don't think there's anything about it immediately coming out that would cause them to or be negligible. So I think I'm with you on that, that the timed exclusivity thing probably doesn't affect things that much. And that seems like kind of the method people are going for these days. Yeah, I'm with it's you. Just, it seems yeah. like it's going to be the norm for sure. 
And I think that exclusives are what's going to keep people coming to console hardware. And the time part is what's going to keep me on PC hardware <laughs> because I do not want another console. Yeah, I think time's exclusivity is uh, best for everyone because if you really care about playing a certain franchise day one, it, you'll buy that particular console and you'll be happy with that. But then whatever you purchase, you'll be able to play any game at a later date. And so it'll drive hardware sales at the same time maximizing software sales and accessibility for everyone um that's the thing so it's interesting to see the the only reason i'm even giving microsoft a little bit of shit about the whole like oh play anywhere as long as it's on a microsoft thing is because they have made such a big deal about that that being like their mission statement of like accessibility in gaming um i i think they're doing a better job of it than sony or nintendo is but sony and nintendo aren't claiming to be that um so that's why I'm giving Microsoft a harder time. But I still think Microsoft is still knocking it out of the park with making gaming accessible, both from an affordability standpoint um, and from their innovations and accessibility with like their accessibility controller and all that kind of stuff. So they're doing good things. Nintendo, ju- Nintendo just doesn't care, bro. Nintendo's Nintendo's I'm doing done. their own thing. I'm done with fucking Nintendo. I can tell you that. Not just for me selling the thing, but the more I've been thinking, like I, every time I think about the Switch since I got it, would be like three years ago drove mm-hmm. up to that little best buy nice cold winter purchased the switch i was so excited and i think about what they have and it's like if i okay if i was in the pokimane i would be way more on the switch because they've done a lot of pokimane stuff but like man fuck if i care about most of the shit that they're releasing so i heard that metroid dread wasn't good which is super disappointing also not super surprising um Seemed like there was like no publicity leading up to it. Got dropped the fuck out of nowhere. For Nintendo, normally that seems like a bad thing unless it's Odyssey 2 or something, right? Or Breath of the Wild 2, right? Like a major title, but some 2D side-scrolling version of Metroid that I don't remember last time they released a 2D side-scrolling on a major Nintendo platform. Either way, Nintendo's fucking up. That's all I'm saying. They don't care. They're assholes. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. They They've got a different strategy. Without question. That's for sure. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, it, I, I'm glad that P, or PlayStation games are coming to PC. I'm Same. hopeful that Xbox continues to bring other games to multiple platforms and does all these things. So, we'll see what happens. Time will tell. I just hope more people can play more games at the end of the day. Because the the reception that God of War on PC has gotten is phenomenal. Like, well, it was ported well too. Is the big thing, right? Like, it wasn't a shitty port, which is really good. Because for a game like that, where I know, like, H Zero D makes it to PC, right? I'm not expecting there to be a a fucking, you know, line around the fucking building for people waiting to play H Zero D, right? Like, it was yeah. a popular game, but it wasn't blown up where. You know, God of War. Some people are crazy enough to put it at their number one game of all time. Like, I mean, like, so it's just, it's ridiculous <laughs> how much people love it. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, but yeah, it, it was like, it was way more hype, right? And so if they fucked up that port, I think that would have been really bad. I think you can fuck up the, they did fuck up the H0D port and I'd still probably get the game, right? Like, if, it, if I see it on sale for like 15 bucks, I'll pick it up and play it again. And so the developers of all of these games at PlayStation are the ones who pressed Sony leadership to, uh, get the ports on pc and that's not surprising 
as a game developer, you don't have loyalty to PlayStation or Xbox or anything other than by proxy of contracts and that they're your employer. Like you want your game that you're proud of to be in in front of as many people as possible. And from a financial point, you want to get as much money for the work you put into the game as possible. So it makes sense that developers are incentivized for that. But they apparently pushed Sony very hard and eventually got Sony to start releasing this. And the success has led it to be continued. And it also plays very well because Horizon Zero Dawn was released, I think, last year on PC. Maybe it was the year before. Not entirely sure. But gets people hyped and be like, oh, well, if I like this experience, Horizon Forbidden West is coming out. I guess I better get a PS4 or PS5. And oh, God of Wars came out. Oh my God, that's actually amazing. I guess I'm going to get a PS5. Like the number of posts I've seen on the God of War subreddit of PC players being like, okay, I'm getting a PS5 now for God of War Ragnarok. Like it's it's bringing people uh, exclusively PC players like, ooh, console pleb type people um, onto a console platform and to get them excited and drive even more initial software sales. So it's doing an incredible job and that that's exciting. Hi, Chocho. I just don't think I'm going to get a PlayStation 5 now that I feel good that Ragnarok is going to come out on PC. I'm just going to have to wait, but I'm okay with that. I got to wait like fucking three years, but. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Uh, now that I realize that PS3 emulation is up to a point that I can emulate Demon Souls, uh, now, now, I'm, <laughs> now, now, like, my PlayStation 5 interest dropped a lot when I learned that. I didn't. I I knew I could buy a PS3, right, and play Demon Souls. But like, if I'm already starting to shell out money, I'd rather get something that has like a notion of resale value. Um, <laughs> I guess the PS3 does have resale value. That's why I'm buying it a million years after release. But I mean, that's at that point, it's pretty much depreciated. All it's going to depreciate. So that's already hit rock bottom. So at that point, you're essentially renting it for free, and then you can resell yeah. it for probably the same amount. <laughs> But yeah, now that I know that PS3 emulation is pretty, pretty solid for David Souls, it's like, eh, yeah, don't fucking care anymore. But those visuals. Visuals do look fucking great. I will give it that. But sometimes you got to suffer the bad coding of the first fucking Souls board. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sure it's so garbage. The, when I hear people talk about the quality of life changes for the remake, I mean, it is, people are very happy. But, the, I mean, the consensus is, like, if this is also the reason you want to get the PS5, right? $560 or 570 whatever fucking, you know, the cost is of Demon's Souls on top of it. That shit not worth. I don't know any yeah. game that I would say is worth that much money. Not to mention right now the stress of having to actually find a PS5 for yeah, if MSRP. you even find it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. That's fair. Now that I know that timed exclusives, I'm like, yeah, I'm really giving up on consoles at this point. I'm emotionally I'm uninvested now. I'll keep my slim for when Ragnarok comes out, though. The fact that that's dual release is still disappointed. I'm going to be straight up. I'm going to be really honest. I know I said it before. I'm still fucking disappointed. I don't want that. It actually upsets me a little bit. Like, but whatever. Woo! Late night heat. <laughs> fucking angry just like why you release this new platform you've had people developing on it for a while now right like why i don't want my game to be nerfed because you want more consoles to support it right like give me the danky give me the souse and if it's good enough people will 
fucking get the platform and play it once it's there, available. There's like 110 million <laughs> PS4s out there, plus whatever the number is now. And there are, they only produced like 10, 12 million in the first year of PS5s. So we're still talking like probably 100 plus million people who can't get their hands on a PS5. You just want to alienate care. that entire fan base. Yes, entirely. 100%. <laughs> Worth it. This is like not a concern to me at all. I want, if, if, yeah, it, I think that games, I guess, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's like games already take so much fucking time and energy to make. So I, I mean, I understand that you want to get the profits right away from it. But like to me, I'd much rather take longer, spend more time, right? Design it, maximize fucking everything out of it. Get literally everything fucking penny that you can get out of the hardware that you're running and shit like that. Like that's what I, I want fucking good games. I don't want just another game. I'm tired of another game. Tired of Ragnarok. I want Ragnarok PS5. But you're the one who has toted the narrative, and I agree with it that how the game looks doesn't make it a good game. And we already know that God of War OG on the PS4 looks fucking fantastic. It does. So as long as the gameplay and the story continue to be slapping. What if the gameplay is nerfed because of the processing power? <laughs> what if what if the immersion is nerfed because of the SSD loading BS that I already forgot, like half of the shit that's great about the PS5? I don't think but there's any way important. they could regress from what it was on God of War. Well, sure, but I definitely don't want just like a God of War 2.0. I definitely want an improvement. I mean, maybe they learned how to milk the PS4's hardware harder. I'm sure they have at some point. Like there's... I mean, we saw like software, API, blah, 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 optimizations, right? That they can be pulling on. But we we saw what Naughty Dog did with the PS4 and Last of Us Part 2, which is fucking bonkers. So there there is something to be said about the optimization at the end. And they can always just develop a really intense, powerful game for PS5 and then just fucking nerf graphical settings and resolution for the PS4 and call it a day. Well, that's what it sounds like they tried doing with Cyberpunk, and that was a dumpster fire in 18 <laughs> halves. So, I have a lot, infinitely more faith in Santa Monica Studios than Same. I do that, okay, in yeah, for sure. yeah. fucking CD Projekt Red, who has a history of bad launches. Sucking ass, yeah, yeah. And I like don't want to support their games anymore. Even more reason for me to never play Witcher 3, by the way, um, is just <laughs> don't, don't support the studio, so... I will play The Witcher 3 someday when I'm on my deathbed. Um, you will outside never of play that, it. It's okay. I, I've moved I on. I know I'm, I'm never playing uh, Cyberpunk. And I'm never playing another Witcher. The only CD Projekt Red game I will play is The Witcher 3. It's the only one I'm willing to say I will play. Whether or not I do is a different thing, right? You but, won't. I will bet you $1,000 right now that you will never complete that game. Well, yeah, I would play it for $1,000. So <laughs> if you want hmm. to take that bet... <laughs> <laughs> is that what you want? Because that's a lot of scotch for me. It's also two phones from Google. <laughs> oh my god! Not too soon! Holy shit! <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was a fun discussion, but we got some soundtracks to discuss. I beat it, and you buy me a bottle of scotch. How about that? Is that a fair trade? For sure. I'll for any game that I recommend to you, I will easily buy you a bottle of scotch if you complete it. Okay, not I'm not hunting it, but I, I I'll do a legit playthrough, right? I, but okay. I'm I've so far from like the platinum era of my life. I, I'm I would, a silver boy. <laughs> I would rather you play Deathloop first, though. 
right, but yeah, that, but that, I'll play Deathloop free of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying if that will help you do it sooner, I'll buy a bottle of scotch for it. All right, bet. Um, I'll spread the wealth, baby. <laughs> Maxwell, what soundtracks you got? Or do you want me to go since I'm editing? Uh, I'll go. <laughs> if we'll stick with the... <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go this week. Um, I got two games. And they're soundtracks. Because this is a soundtrack showdown. <laughs> Ori and the Will of the Wisps, a.k.a. the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, versus Can't. Spyro Year of the Dragon. Third entry in the series. Written by... Stuart Copeland. <laughs> Who is the drummer for? The police. Um, so if you didn't know that, that's who composed uh, the Spyro soundtracks, which instantly just makes them legendary. Now, I do have to say, the Spyro soundtracks are legendary. I, I think, I think they, they earned the, the legendary status. Um, now, here, here's the interesting thing about these two games is... It is a nostalgic game versus a recent game for me. So what is heavier, nostalgia or recency bias? We're about to find out. Um, but Spyro's... I disagree with this argument. <laughs> but you go. Oh, yeah, no, it's, that's not literally going to tell us what is stronger for me in this particular case. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. But the... So Spyro, if you're familiar with the Mobile Video Games podcast, when we've I've talked about it before in the top 50 video game showdown that we did, um, Spyro was one of those franchises as a kid growing up on the PlayStation 1 that I absolutely adored, I loved, and then when they remade it, the Reignited Trilogy, um, and I played it on the PS4, it was, oh my god, amazing. A fantastic remake of the games that just brought out all the nostalgia, all the amazing things with the amazing graphical upgrades and quality of life improvements. So Spyro is a franchise in my life I love and adore. Still think it's fantastic from a gameplay. It holds up incredibly well in my eyes. Is that nostalgia? Who knows? You be the judge. But uh, it's great. And the soundtrack is a huge part of that. It is so instantly recognizable as a Spyro soundtrack. Like, it, you know, when you have a favorite band or something like that and you hear their song on the radio, even if it's a new song you haven't heard, you you can recognize their sound. That's what the Spyro soundtrack across all of the games has been. You hear it, it just, there's something about the way he composes the music and the way he writes it that just evokes Spyro. I don't know what it is about it. I'm sure someone has gone into depth about it and analyzed it. Go find that person because I want to meet them. Um, but it's just, yeah, the nostalgia is heavy, but it, it, each level. So if you're unfamiliar with Spyro, it's like there's four or five worlds in the game and there's like probably four or five levels in each of those worlds. And so you go into them and you have to defeat certain enemies and make it to the end and collect certain things and on and on and on. So each world has kind of a musical theme about it. And then the levels in each of those worlds also has a musical theme that still calls back to the theme of the world in which it exists. Um, so just from a composition standpoint, the music is pretty incredible. Um, and it just, it evokes a really, it evokes the kind of feeling you would expect from that type of world. Um, there's a lot of variety in it. There are some absolute slappers in there. So as going back to kind of what we talk about, like our favorite 
songs from it. Um, there were two that stuck out to me as I was listening to it. I was like, oh, okay, I like that one and that one. So first one was Sheila's Alp. So Sheila is one of the characters, and you go up into the Alps, and you um, play a level there. That's pretty great. And then Honey Speedway was the jazziest, funky slap at the bass that I remember in recent memory uh, for video games. Uh, highly recommend uh, checking out both of those songs from Spiral of the Year Dragon. But that that's what it is for me. It is an arcade, fun, platforming, like the the humor and the, the game overall is just fantastic. The, the soundtrack, Stuart Copeland does a legendary job with it. It's just kind of one of those things everyone knows, Spyro soundtrack. Pretty dope. Second game, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If, for those of you who aren't aware, you can go to Maxwell Lewis Gaming and check out my game thoughts on my playthrough of Ori and the Will of the Wisps, where I said it changed me. To this day, I still stand by that. It was a pivotal moment in my <laughs> gaming career um, where what I valued in games and what I viewed about games and how I viewed them did change dramatically after playing that game. Um, and it, when I listened to the soundtrack, it, those feelings and emotions flooded back into me and it was a wild experience uh, that soundtrack fucking goes hard holy shit balls um i mean the so the the composer for the ori soundtracks gareth coker hope i'm pronouncing that right um is the the composer of the the ori series and his work on ori and the will of the wisp is legendary as well these are two legendary games i said it from the beginning it's much more reliant on these like orchestral and choral like big epic pieces like you'd hear a symphony perform um of some like work of beethoven but it's not like baroque or something like that like it's very modern and uh again evoking the 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 sense and the feeling of each of the different so in the game there's like four maybe five mainish areas there's like a sandy area there's a water area there's like a hopping around in the air area there's like kind of an underground area and, and each of them has a very distinct sound similar to what uh Stuart copeland did in spyro and so these games i think are, are good to go up against each other because they have a lot of similarities in how they approach composition and i think they both excel in it um super well the boss fights the music absolutely epic there's um chase sequences that i talk about in my review and that i still remember fondly and the music during those is pretty cool and so talking about my favorite soundtracks from that game i actually have three of them the first one is called ku's first flight it's a moment early in the game and it kind of sets up what happens for the rest of the game and the way the music starts to how it evolves and ends it, I mean, this is how the game is being set up, and it is, you could not ask for something more epic to get you hyped up for the game. Uh, the second one, it's called Hornbug. It must, at, at some point, I you probably run into something like that. I don't remember what particular part of the game is from, but that'd also be an epic time. And then there is a chase sequence towards the end of the game that the, the track is called Escaping a Foul Presence. Um, that was also... A, a fond one for me that I also remember because I died a lot during this particular chase sequence. So the song is like ingrained in my head 
as well. So it, it evoked that that kind of memory for me. So both of these games, epic games, epic soundtracks, legendary composers. They did an excellent job of like complementing the gameplay, setting the mood, making things feel epic. What do you think I'm going to pick, Oliver? Well, hearing you talk about it, I think I've changed my mind, but... So you already know what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I initially predicted Stuart Copeland because Stuart Copeland. Notice how I'm not even saying the game, because the game doesn't even matter, because it's Stuart fucking Copeland. Um, I thought Spyro... I, I mean, I've like had them in the background a little bit here and i will give you ori does bang it goes hard the luma pools the water area that one had me i don't know how to i was freaking out when i was listening to it i was like this shit goes fucking hard i remember like that moment when i was going through the area and i was like this is like one of the best feelings in games where you're just like i just love the environment of the game of the soundtrack of the game right you're just like so excited to just like literally do anything that they want you to do in that area because you're just hype about it but there's something about i have not played spyro and i've listened to all of the game soundtracks uh like there is just something about the spyro soundtrack it is so fucking unique it holds up so well and i just don't think that another game is going to give a soundtrack like that ever i just don't I, i i don't know what it is i'm sure i'm biased because Lots of friends that are super in love with Spyro, but I think there's something about like the novelty of it that I just think it fits. When I watched gameplay from the past, fits it really fucking well, but it's unique. I think like Ori could and will be done again, right? I think that this is like a mm. much more reasonable thing to like expect. But I think what Stuart Copeland did, I th- it just feels like more novel. And maybe this is me allowing myself to be a nostalgia fuckboy since I'm not invested in it. So now I'm going to do it <laughs> rent-free, baby. Like, I'm just like, fuck yeah, baby. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's hard. Because, yeah, if you're just, like, going straight off of, like, I think more people would like Ori just flat out on a listen standpoint, right? Um, but Spyro just goes, there's just something about it, man. He sets the mood and it, it goes, it goes, it goes good. <laughs> it, that, so that's, that, those are great points. And that's so like what, what I was trying to convey with Spyro about like, when you hear it, you're just like, that's Spyro. You, you know, just it. know it. Yeah. Yeah. It is such I a, I mean, play the game and I fucking know it. Like <laughs> yeah, it it's a sound, iconic. it's a type of sound and music. You just, it's very unique. It It's incredible. What Stuart did. And that being said, I will be selecting Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, I as... felt <laughs> your language is too giveaway. <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to hide it. Um and I, I thought I was pretty gushy over Spyro in the beginning too. Um but uh Ori You just went all in. You started talking about Ori, your face lit up a little bit, you know, you had that little <laughs> twinkle in the eye. <laughs> Ori is too fucking epic like it it does not again diminish what Stuart copeland did and how much i love the spiral franchise and that soundtrack but the the ori soundtrack had such beautiful quiet moments leading up to incredibly epic moments um and action sequences and different vibes for different areas where spyro does that to a degree 
and it executes very well, but I think the highs and the lows were greater in Ori. Um, and it, it told a more interesting story. And I think, I think that plays a factor. Like Spyro is not an interesting story. Like you, I love the character Spyro. I think the story does enough to serve its purpose to drive you forward in the game. Um, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't have the emotion behind it that Ori does. Um, and I, I think that plays that plays a factor, at least for me. And that's why I choose that's why I choose Ori over Spyro. Rip and peace, Stuart, man. Rip and peace. Nostalgia will never win on this podcast. <laughs> I have the rate we're going. It. I don't <laughs> think so. So <sighs> I am not disappointed and I am not surprised, but I still think man, Stuart Stuart. Not that you're saying it didn't, right? But Stuart banged. I'm just saying Stuart banged. Like that yeah. was that was. Oof. I'm I'm a little. I'm just sad, you know. But Ori has such a bright future. <sighs> Unlike Hollow Knight. Um, <laughs> for for my games, uh, I did Final Fantasy VII, specifically the remake, because I have not played a Final Fantasy game. I am coming out clean right now. Woo! Um, what a loser. I, I know I've played like maybe 30 minutes of my life. I haven't either. But I'm picking this because my roommate from earlier last year really loved Final Fantasy. It spent him watched a lot of his playthrough of this game, and the soundtrack do be cooking with like heat and gasoline and any other fuel source you can think of. Like the soundtrack goes hard. What it adds to the gameplay experience, I can't tell you because for me it was like watching a movie with a crazy uh, soundtrack because I wasn't even playing it right. Um, and the gameplay is like not what I go for, but I enjoy the soundtrack enough. Still enjoy the soundtrack enough, um, which is why it's on my top eight. Uh, it was made by I'm gonna absolutely butcher both of these people's names. By the way, it's not like I got Koji Kondo on here anymore. So easier <laughs> times. Uh, Nobuo Umatsu. Doesn't matter if I said that wrong. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad now. Um, I'm talking specifically about the remake. I did listen to the original version. In the original version, compositions are good, but when you just get a full orchestra going ham on like well-written songs already right it just ups it ups the game so much like the remake is so much more hype to listen through than the original uh yeah i'm trying to see what the problem is these fucking songs are in a language i can't read bombing mission is my favorite (laughs) song uh let the battles begin ex-soldier also a good one both of them back to back in the soundtrack he uh got stuck in one area and i really like the sounds so I watched him get stuck for a very long time. But yeah, so it's just very like orchestral and intense music. The whole point, I feel like a Final Fantasy VII is like they're trying to get you invested in the characters. Sure, there's like intense action scenes, but it's it's way more about like setting a mood um, and like using that to like get the narrative through. It seems a very like story driven game. Maybe people do really like the gameplay, but the gameplay seemed like kind of an afterthought from especially hearing people talk about it. Right. They're like oh my gosh, this character, this character, like, I love that character so much. Uh, so it's going against Dark Souls, which I've never talked about before, uh, composed by Motoi Sakuruba. Sakuraba? Again, butchered. Should have looked this up beforehand. Doesn't matter. You're not going to correct me. Uh, this game, I played a little bit more than Final Fantasy Seven <laughs> or any of the Final Fantasies. Dark Souls music... It's just a thing of beauty. I don't know how else to describe it. Dark Souls music 
be so beautiful, so calm, so grandiose, an epic battle fight music. There's times where I'm literally like, why am I listening to the fucking soundtrack? Because it's stressing me out more than the game is, which is impressive in itself with the diversity of emotions that the soundtrack uh, conveys through playing and enjoying. Uh, the My favorite song from that is the song against Gwen. Lord of Cinder, which is the last song, and it's very calm. And if you listen to the soundtrack and you listen to that song, I don't think that playing, <laughs> listening to that song would not make sense. And I don't think it would be as enjoyable. But the thing is, is, like, the story all builds up to this moment, right? Where you are now fighting the Lord of Flames, Lord of Cinder. You are trying to decide whether or not you're going to re- reignite the fire. If you know the story and you've gone through the experience, it makes sense. But it's, like, so calm. And you would expect from a last boss fight for it to be some like badass all worked up music. But the whole point of the Dark Souls story is that it's like super fucking morally gray and super ambiguous. And you're not supposed to know what is right or what is wrong. So it's like the perfect fucking ending when you're making this decision of whether or not you're going to keep the Age of Fire alive. Or you're going to walk the fuck out and be like, hell no, darkness for life. So there's just something about it, especially from... The first of the like actual Souls series, right? Most people wouldn't say that Demon Souls is part of the Soul series, uh, or like the trilogy. Uh yeah. man, it just ended it so fucking well. And then like other fights like ONS, I love the ONS soundtrack so much, probably because I had to listen to it for like twelve hours while trying to do my soul level one run. Um, but like yeah, they just they they know when to crank up the juice meter and they know how to keep it chill when they need to keep it chill. Explaining both of these really poorly, as I say every single time, and I don't care. Um, but yeah, I thought I knew what I was going to pick before this, and now I'm stalling because I actually don't know. So what did you think I was going to pick, and why did you think I was going to pick Dark Souls 1? <laughs> I mean, coming into it, I certainly assumed it was going to be Soulsborne because of your affinity for that game and how much time you've put into it and time spent with it. As epic as I'm sure the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack is, and thankfully, Final Fantasy VII was available free for PlayStation Plus subscribers, and then the PS5 upgrade was made free as well for those people. It is a game I am excited to play about simply because of how highly you've hyped up the soundtrack. Soundtrack All that being said, I still think... You would have you you were going to pick the the Dark Souls soundtrack because of your Oliver. Yeah. So when I walked in, I thought I was going to pick Final Fantasy VII, and I actually felt pretty good about it walking into it. I listened to all three of the Dark Souls soundtracks, and I do like all of them. Problem is with Dark Souls soundtrack is there's some songs you know you hear and you get triggered really upsettingly because <laughs> you have such <laughs> vividly bad memories while listening to that song. Yeah. Uh, but I guess in the in the flip of the card, right? Like it's kind of the same reason why it's so good. Like uh, Belfry Gargoyles, or just the Gargoyles fight in Dark Souls One. That song is by far the most stressful soundtrack song I ever listened to in my life. I was actually sweating so hard in that fucking fight because the soundtrack is just like they are working you, and they're working you on the boss. They're working you through your ears, your fingies, everything. Like they are, they are. Oh my god, it was literally too much for me i had to like turn turn it down and like take a break because i was just like over fucking whelmed but that like never happens in games either which i kind of enjoy uh but yeah i think i think i'm i'm gonna gonna do dark souls gonna give you gonna give you the dub gonna gonna flip the card on me and give you the dub (laughs) (laughs) the 
yeah, the Gwen fight is just so fucking iconic and will be stuck in my head for it's probably as long as I'm alive, or at least thinking about games. Like Dark Souls One has just been a fucking amazing game front to back. The world design, music complements it really fucking well. Like it's just a really well put together package. So I think it's like Sure, maybe the soundtrack isn't like the, literally the greatest thing that happened, but the fact that they were all designed so well together, I think, is a compliment to everything as well. Not mm-hmm. just the soundtrack, mm-hmm. right? But like, it did feel like the most like uh, thoughtfully put together Dark Souls game that I've played. Hopefully, Elden Ring surpasses that, but I'm not expecting that. So, <laughs> I know it's it's hard to to surpass an OG. Even greatest it's- game of all time, Golden Joysticks Award. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the goal baby like it's so fun it is actually it's it's unbelievably good like uh it's so fun i the first time i played it i was so frustrated and now i've beaten it like three or four times and i this is like one of the few games that i still want to play and beat over and over again i don't know what it is right but it's just like when i want to boot up a game now i'm like let's boot up dark souls it's just really fucking good <laughs> Fuck the haters, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know. Just like I got that. Juiced up and Final Fantasy 7 has gone, but it doesn't matter. So. Is Dark Souls here to stay, baby? <laughs> Dark Souls, actually, I'm replacing Hollow Knight for my greatest game of all time, Dark Souls 1. I'm also getting That's rid illegal. of every other game in my top 50 bracket, Dark Souls 1. Uh, <laughs> and my top 16 soundtrack. There's only one game, 16 times. Dark Souls 1. It's the GOAT, baby. I get mine shorter than yours, as promised. I don't know if you I'm did. I'm an analyst. Let, let uh, us know in the comments down below who is longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was just trying to think. Would you, would you put any games over Hollow Knight at this point in time? Are you asking what I put Dark Souls 1 over? And the answer is, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm, I'm asking uh, you, you to contemplate. General? Yeah, like, uh, s- since you've last determined that Hollow Knight was your favorite game of all time at that time, has anything surpassed it? Or have you changed your mind? Dark I'll give Souls you my answer. Nothing has I know, surpassed yeah, God of No, War. nothing. That is for sure. Uh, for me, I should clarify. Yeah, Dark Souls... Okay, here's the thing. I think that your criticism of Hollow Knight... It's totally fair. Like, the first first five hours of Hollow Knight is not the best, right? They kind of just throw you in a fucking muddy pool of water and are like, swim around and find the key. We dropped it somewhere. It doesn't fucking matter where. We don't care. You got to find it. Uh, and then, like, you find the key, and then you realize what the key does, and you slowly figure out what the key does, right? And then, like, that whole process is fucking great. The rest of the game is great. I think they scale it really well after that point. But I do agree the beginning of Hollow Knight is a total weakness. Now, Dark Souls is an older game. So the things that they do wrong, relatively, are probably less bad than Hollow Knight. (laughs) But if you were just to go back and play Dark Souls 1, I mean, oh my god, when I got cursed, half health, if you don't read the sign from when you first got cursed, you have no choice but to look it up, which for a lot of people who are doing a pure Dark Souls run, right, they don't want to look up literally fucking anything. So it's just like if you miss 
if you press A one time and skip over the fucking frame where they tell you, you have no choice. You are, you are fucked at half health for the rest of the game. You are not going to find out what fixes that just by casual circumstance. And there's just a couple things like that that I think really are bad artifacts of the time. Like when I think about when the game came out, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Games were douchier back then. That's just how it, that's how it was. <laughs> that's a good way to put uh, it. <laughs> yeah, they were just, it was just, it was poor design and that's okay. But when I think about like, yeah, I think Dark Souls has boss diversity beat, uh, level diversity beat from Hollow Knight. Like Hollow Knight is fucking great, but for how much time it had to be a better game versus, and Dark Souls has the edge, right? Because it came out first. But I'm saying like, the level of progression you'd expect time-wise, I don't think, yeah, I don't think makes it, I think Dark Souls naturally kind of beats Hollow Knight in that regard, but I like the genre a lot too, so I think it's like already biasing from, but it is, it's it's hard to answer, I don't, I don't feel super, super, super intrigued on committing to anything, but yeah, I would definitely, I mean. Would you say Hollow Knight and Dark Souls are your confident one and two in some order? because here's the thing and then you know you know i i i that i was like can i can i make that claim i could say i could say this i could say dark souls hollow knight and metroid prime are my confident one two and three i don't think do i could we need to do metroid another prime. top video game bracket is that the question <laughs> i'm just trying to think of oh yeah it's they they all kind of scratch different itches in a really weird way because like Man, Dark Souls does have a fuck-up. It's known as the Bed of Chaos, where they're like, you know what, we're going to try to do platforming in Dark Souls. Horrible idea. Never do that again. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, literally, the developers have apologized for the Bed of Chaos existing. Hollow Knight does platforming in combat, I think, exceptionally fucking well, like, to a level that I have not seen done as polished and smoothly as that. And then Metroid just, like got the sci-fi itch good soundtrack like the whole every everything that oliver likes right it just does everything really fucking well i don't think it does anything exceptionally well but it does everything so fucking phenomenally especially for the time that it came out like i was like holy fuck this is what games are gonna be like then i am in for a treat (laughs) then i was a little disappointed but you know what (laughs) there's other good prime games so hey come on um but playing through metroid prime was like I mean, yeah, when I first played through Metroid Prime, it was like me playing through God of War in terms of surprise of like, oh, wow, this is like what a really fucking well game can be like for right now, right? Like, God of War, Metroid, I was younger in gaming, right? So there's more just literal surprising shit because I just hadn't gamed as much, which is probably why it's a little more impactful for me. Like, God of War, there wasn't a moment where I was like, I haven't seen this done in a game before, but they were just like, what if we do it all perfectly, though? Like... You're not going to be mad. How about that? <laughs> so, yeah, I feel good about the top one, two, and three. I'd have to think about it more. Because when I talk about pros and cons of each, then it gets a little bit... Like, Metroid has, like, the flops are non-existent relative to, like, the fucking first five hours of Hollow Knight or the, you know, being cursed in Dark Souls. Like, that shit just doesn't exist. Yeah. But, Yeah. Would you change your top three? How about that? Is there any game that would be in your top five, I guess? Deathloop, right? I think I Deathloop, Deathloop. Would, would make its way into top five for sure, potentially top three. I'd have to think about it some That's more. That's insane to me. To figure out. It was You were bonkers. mellow on the hype relative to how hype you are on it. Yeah, it's... 
Sometimes that's how it gets you. Horizon Zero Dawn, I didn't give two shits about until I played it. And then I was like, oh my God, like this story is amazing. So it, it is interesting because Deathloop was kind of like, I don't know, like it, it intrigued me, but it just, it felt like it was going to be one of those games that just like, I don't know, does its thing. And it just did so much more. It was, it, it was a sleeper, even though like IGN gave it a 10 out of 10 and a bunch of outlets gave it perfect scores and it was critically so well received and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this game's great. And it won awards at the game of the year awards and stuff, um, or the video game awards. But uh, for some reason, it just felt like a sleeper. It's just one of those that you're like, I don't know, like people have played Dishonored and it kind of looks like that and Chocho's going crazy in the background as she does. Um, it just felt like another big, like it, it was easy to write off as like, oh, they released another big AAA title, right? And yeah. the AAA title pool has been really lacking lately. Uh, and yeah, publicity around it, I thought was actually, it was pretty lacking. Like it got yeah. announced in terms of, I heard about it, came out really fucking quickly, heard some good things about it briefly afterwards, but like God of War, I mean, easy example, right? But like nonstop hearing about it, not just from you. It's not like I just had a friend that really liked it. It was like- yeah. People would not shut up about God of War. Like and, and it helps that God of War was an established IP as well. Mm-hmm. Like it already had a hugely dedicated fan base from years before that were thirsty for a God of War game. And then they also delivered on it. Um Deathloop is completely fresh IP, but from gameplay looked very similar to Dishonored in games that were like, from what I've heard, pretty good, but nothing crazy special. But what they did with Deathloop was special. Um, it just across the board, the level of polish and detail and world building and gameplay and options on how to complete it. Soundtrack. Crazy, crazy time. So yeah, Deathloop for me, for sure. Top five, maybe top three. Ori in the World of Wisps might be, it's probably another top five for me, I would say. Um, I don't know. I, I think we are going to have to do like a separate episode. We can to, redo a top eight or something like that. But top eight, yeah, it's somewhere. I was going to say top five to top ten. Top eight's right in the middle. Seems perfect. I can just revisit it at the end of the year though, because there's other games that I'm sure will come up there for me. I mean, Elden Ring's at least going to be a contender. Yeah, Man, Elden no, Ring is going to suck. God, God of War, Ragnarok, Dying Light Two. Um, trying to think. I know there's more. Four games that obviously they'll be coming out. They're they're leaving my brainium. But I don't regret not putting Dark Souls three any higher. I can tell you that much. Um I think I put execution. Yeah, I put Scholars of the First Sin up there. And now Dark Souls one would definitely be up there. I've had a lot of time though and spent a lot of time in the last like four months watching a shit ton of Dark Souls speedruns and definitely I've had plenty of time to think about how I'd actually like rate the games though. So because when we were making the list, it was kind of hard. It was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's shit I liked about all of them, but when you uh, watch, you know, hundreds of hours of gameplay really quickly, then your your memory's pretty fresh. Then, so <laughs> not that I'd ever do that. Uh-uh. It'd be weird. No. So. Well, cool. Cool. That's all I got. That's all I got. Cool. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, watching, hearing, feeling, being, loving, live laughing, 
and loving. Oh um, no! Oh no! No no! <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but thank you. You guys can check us out on Instagram, uh, podcast services. If you're watching on YouTube, YouTube. If you're watching podcast services, to see adorable cats from time to time, because that's probably all you really care about. Um, and uh, yeah, leave comments. We're super interested to hear what people have to say about anything. Life. Just let us know. <laughs> Talk to Pursuit us, of happiness. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, check us out. And otherwise, stay happy, safe, and healthy. Catch you all in the next one. Juicy. Juicy.